please stand for the lesson of the Old Testament. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever. And brought Israel out from among them, for a steadfast love endures forever, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his steadfast love endures forever. And made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who struck down great kings, for his steadfast and killed mighty kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon, king of Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. King of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever, and gave the land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever, a heritage to Israel and his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our low estate, for his steadfast love endures forever, and rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Lord, we give thanks to you and praise you because your steadfast love endures forever. We recognize that in this world we live in, things are fragile, things break, things deteriorate and decay. Very little endures. Yet your word reminds us continually that your steadfast love endures forever. As we look more closely into this psalm and your word, I pray, Lord, that you might teach us what your steadfast love is, how we might receive it, and how it might strengthen our faith and increase our love and our trust in you. 
and to help us to have a constant state and heart of thankfulness. Again, we praise you because your steadfast love endures forever. We thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Good morning. Today we're going to continue our series in the Psalms. And I wanted to start off this morning by doing like a little language lesson. Uh, So as many of you know, I studied ancient Hebrew at UT Austin. And ancient Hebrew and English, I should probably, like they're very different. Like, they, they share a lot of, uh, some similarities, but there's also a lot of differences. And there's some sounds in Hebrew that we don't have in English. And you might be familiar with it, uh, but there's a sound that is like a, they call it a guttural H, which means that you use, like, your throat. And it's almost like um, if you're clearing your throat. Like, it's okay if you try to do it, it's right. The word is chesed. Can y'all say that? Chesed. Chesed. Okay, you can go and practice. I want, especially the kids, next week, you can come back and say, you don't need to practice, Eli, you got it already. Chesed. And that is, in our translation, the word that is translated steadfast love. God's chesed is his steadfast love. And that's the word that we'll be talking about this morning, because... This is a really important word in the Psalms. Half of the occurrences of this word, hesed, occur in the Psalms. Over and over again, I've encouraged us to read through the Psalms together as a church community, and I hope you've been doing that. If you have, I'm sure you've seen this word everywhere. And it's so important because it really gets at the heart of what God's character is like. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, One of the issues with translations, if you, if you know like a foreign language and you've ever had to translate something to English, there isn't always like one word in English that perfectly captures that other word in a different language. And it's the same is true of hesed. There's not really one English word that would capture the full sense of this word. And so I'm just going to give an example of the way that a lot of different translations, um, different versions of the Bible will translate this word. So, for instance, we have the word loving-kindness. Sometimes you'll hear mercy. If you're familiar with the King James Version, that's the word that they use. They use mercy. Faithful love, grace, love, steadfast love, what we read, loyal love. Right? So none of, none of these on their own are like bad translations. I wouldn't say, oh, you know, that's a bad translation. But what it captures is this idea that no one word or two words in English captures the full sense of what this word in Hebrew is trying to convey. And one of the ways that we can understand the full idea of what this word is about is by seeing how it's used in other places in the Bible. You use the context in other verses in the Bible to help us understand what this word hesed means. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. If you look at Psalm 81 verses 1 through 2, This is what it says. Um, And my translations all say steadfast love. And so I'll say steadfast love or I'll say chesed. And so just know like I'm referring to the same word when I say that. Psalm 89 verses 1 through 2. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. Verse 2. For I said steadfast love chesed 
will be built up forever. In the heavens, you will establish your faithfulness. Now, this is a good time to introduce one of the most uh, important concepts when we talk about Hebrew poetry, like when we're looking at the Psalms, and it's this idea of parallelism. Parallelism is the backbone, it's like the fundamental feature of what Hebrew poetry is. I don't know if you've noticed it, but like especially it's very clear when uh, the two black lot girls read Psalm, the psalm for us. Hebrew is all about couplets, like two lines. And very often those two lines will have two parts, and the second part will really just like restate what's in the first part. And so oftentimes, if you have hesed in the first part, then help us to understand what hesed is about when you look at the second part. Right, so Psalm 89, verse 1 says this, I will sing of your steadfast love of the Lord forever. I will sing of your hesed. The second part says, With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness. It's making hesed and faithfulness like one concept. It's teaching us what God's hesed is about. It's about his faithfulness. Steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. Now, like I said, hesed occurs over, I think, 100 times in the Psalms. Like 125 times or something like that. So we're not going to go through like every single occurrence. But if you take all of those occurrences of hesed in the Psalms... I've tried to boil it down as best as I could to kind of like a one-sentence definition. And it's this. Hesed is God's willingness to constrain himself and commit himself for the good of his people. God's hesed is his willingness to constrain and limit himself, to bind himself, to commit himself for the good of his people. It's along the lines of what a pastor and author named Paul Miller says. He says this, The spirit of the age is the preservation of freedom. Right? When he looks at the world at large, what is the most important value for people? And it's freedom. Preserve freedom at all costs. I think, in a sense, that resonates with a lot of us. But he goes on to say, But the very nature of love is not freedom, but to narrow the life. The nature of love limits the person. What this means is that there is no freer being in all of the entire universe than God. Like God, creator of all things, he can do whatever he wants. Yet his hesed love means that he has chosen to constrain himself. He has chosen to limit himself in order to show goodness and mercy and faithfulness to his people. Hesed then is love. That's why a lot of translations have love in it. Love, loyal love, steadfast love, loving kindness. It's love. But it's not a general kind of love. You might have heard that in the Greek, in the New Testament, there's like four different kinds of love and they all have different nuances and different meanings. And Hebrew is kind of similar. There's a general word that means love. But chesed is a different kind of love. It's a specific kind of love. I would say... It's an active love. Active in the sense that it's God's love and commitment expressed in actions. Right? And so, you know, let's say if someone's treating you poorly, but they say, you know I love you. Does that mean anything to you? 
if they just say it. But what's more meaningful? If that person not only says it, but they show it, they do it. It's an active love. That's what chesed is. It's not God just saying, I love you, but it's God showing how he loves you by how he treats you and what he does for you. And it's specific. It's specific in the sense that it's a love that necessarily excludes other things. It's a special love that's directed toward one specific group of people. Right? So we could say, as the Bible does, God loves all people. But God's chesed love is not directed toward all people. It says God's chesed love is a specific love that is only directed toward his chosen people. And so the best way, then, to understand chesed is to see it in action, which is precisely what we get in Psalm 136. And as we look more closely at Psalm 136 this morning, there's really only one main point that I had this morning, and it's this. Meditating on the chesed of God leads to a heart of thankfulness. Psalms, we've talked about, it's all about meditation. When we talked about Psalm 1, what do we say? The one who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night is the one who is blessed. And meditating means talking to yourself, focusing on, obsessing over. The one who meditates on God's steadfast love will have a heart of thankfulness. So I don't know if, um, does anyone here have like difficulty trying new, fu- new, fu- new foods? It's like, I just want what I've always enjoyed. Maybe like as a parent, you had an experience of, you know, you want to give your kid a very balanced diet with all different kinds of food. And the first time you try to feed them something, it's like completely rejected. And it's very easy to give up. But you have to do it again and again and again. You have to repeat it. Studies have shown, apparently, you need to feed, some studies say you need to feed your child eight times before they accept the food. 12, 15, 20 times before they start to like something. Similarly, is anybody here like really good with names? It's like you can meet a person one time, hear their name once, put a name to a face, see them like two months from now and know exactly who they are. I think most of us are not like that. They say, in order to, the best way to, what's the best way to remember someone's name? Say it all the time. When I first meet you, say, hey, nice to meet you, Patrick. And in my head, I'm just repeating your name over and over and over again in order to help me remember. That's why, I don't know if you, as you were listening to Psalm 136, that's why his steadfast love endures forever is repeated over and over and over again. I mean, it seems like, doesn't it seem excessive? It's like, we get it, God, right? Your steadfast love endures forever feels kind of repetitive, but it's precisely because our natural tendency is to not get it the first time, or the second time, or the third. We need to be continually reminded that God's steadfast love endures forever. The course is repeated so often because it's meant to sink deep and deep within you. And what I think is really cool is it's a pretty long psalm, but all of us in this room already have memorized half of the entire psalm. Think about it. I, I don't think any of us will forget the phrase, His steadfast love endures forever. No matter what happens, no matter what the first part is, 
That's kind of the point, right? No matter what the first part of the sentence is, the second half is always true. His steadfast love endures forever. But within the psalm itself, even though that's what's repeated over and over and over again, it starts with the word for. And I've said this before, I say it a lot. Whenever you see the word for in the Bible, it's very important because it indicates that what comes before is very important because it's giving you the reason to do something. So why does the author want us, why does the psalmist want us to know that God's steadfast love endures forever? It comes in the very first verse. Give thanks to the Lord. That's the main point of the psalm. The main point of the psalm is to cultivate within us a spirit of thankfulness. And the way that we get there is by understanding what God's steadfast love is. So the main point of the psalm then is give thanks to the Lord. And throughout the Bible, one of the defining characteristics of every Christian is a heart and a spirit of thankfulness. I think the default of our culture, perhaps ourselves, is to criticize, is to complain. And it's not to be thankful, it's not to be, it's not to be full of praise. But what distinguishes the Christian is not just the fact that we're thankful people because good things happen to us. What makes the Christian unique is that the Christian is thankful always. The Christian gives thanks in all circumstances of life, no matter what happens. That's why Paul can command us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. What does he say? He says this, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. Does that describe you this morning? Is that the state of your heart? Are you the kind of person who gives thanks in all circumstances and not just when things are going well? If you find it difficult to praise God and to be thankful to Him amidst the disappointments and difficulties and just stresses of daily life, Psalm 136 is for you. This psalm is God's gift to you to stir within you the kind of heart that can give thanks in all circumstances. You know, I wonder, what would happen, like, in our lives if the first thing we did in the morning was not to check our email, what happened in the sports world, social media, news, but instead we meditated on the words of Psalm 136. How might that change our hearts? How might that change our perspective on the rest of the day? Knowing from the very beginning of the day that God's steadfast love endures forever. And again, I need to reiterate something because like, it's, God's not asking you to be some sort of like fake happy, someone who ignores all the trials and difficulties of life and just kind of just smiles and says, oh, everything's fine even though it's not. Psalm, that's not what Psalm 136 is about. Psalm 136 is about recognizing and acknowledging how hard life can be sometimes, yet also learning that God is telling you to lift up your eyes to not be just so focused on yourself and your present circumstances. 
Psalm 136 is about changing our perspective. God says, be thankful in all circumstances, not because everything in life is going exactly your way. He says, give thanks because there's a good God who is in control of all things, that this good God created the world, and this good God has redeemed his people. This is a good God who delights in continually lifting up those who are low, rescuing people from their enemies, and providing them with all that they need for this life and the life to come. So what Psalm 136 encourages us to do is not to ignore the difficulties of life, but to place them in the proper perspective. And So how then can you be thankful in all circumstances, according to Psalm 136? It's this. You can be thankful in all circumstances, no matter what's going on in your life, if you follow the order of praise and thankfulness that's found in the psalm. There's an order that's given. First, the psalmist is thankful for who God is. Independent of anything that God has done. He says, I give thanks to you, God, because you are good, because you are the God of gods and you are the Lord of lords. The psalmist is thankful for who God is. Second, the psalmist is thankful for God's good creation. It's vital for our faith to know and believe that God is the creator of all things. So first he says, God, I'm thankful because you are good. He says, God, I thank you because you are the creator of all things. You put the sun and moon and stars in their place. You are in control over all things. And thirdly, the psalmist is then thankful for God's acts of redemption found in Scripture. So even, uh, I know the Exodus stories can seem like very far removed from our own lives, but even at the time of the psalmist, we don't know exactly when he wrote, but likely he's writing this psalm long after the events of the Exodus. And so he's saying, God, we give thanks to you for your great and mighty acts of redemption and bringing Israel out of slavery in Egypt, for leading them through the wilderness, for giving them victory over all the kings that they encountered, and for giving them the land. And then, and only then, after he's thanked God for all of those things, who he is, what he has done in creating the world and redeeming his people, then the psalmist gives thanks for God's present help in the midst of their trouble. That's the order. Thank God for who he is. Thank God for his creation. Thank God for his salvation. And if you notice, none of those things are dependent upon whatever is going on in your life. None of them. And they're all based on God's chesed, his steadfast love, his willingness to commit himself to the good of his people. You see, the first and fundamental truth of Christianity is not, I am a sinner in need of salvation, in need of God's saving grace, like that's true. But that's not where Christianity starts. Christianity doesn't start with you. Christianity, the first and fundamental truth is, there is a good God who created all things, who is worthy of worship and praise. Unless you first accept that as like your most basic premise, then you can't have a heart of thankfulness in all circumstances. The psalmist begins with God, and so should we. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. 
oftentimes we're not like that, are we? I think we get the order backwards. We don't thank God for who he is or his great acts of creation and redemption, but we're captive to our present circumstances. And one of the things that I've been emphasizing throughout our times in the Psalms is that the Psalms provide us with the language for our faith. And what I mean by that is God gives us the Psalms so that we can pray the Psalms back to him. And we've said, when you pray to God in the words that he has given you, then he promises to listen and to answer our prayers. So then, whether we are thankful or having difficulty being thankful, Psalm 136 is given to us to create a heart of thankfulness within us. So the refrain for the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever, it's a forward-looking prayer. It's a declaration that God has acted in the past, in creation, and redemption, and that he's going to do so in the future because of his chesed, his willingness to constrain his own freedom and bind himself for the good of his people. Is that not the gospel of Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ is chesed in human form. Jesus Christ is God constraining himself limiting himself the infinite god creator of all things limiting himself to our humanity for the sake of the good of his people jesus then is the fulfillment of psalm 136 for christ is the culmination of god's hesed his full final complete declaration that he has given himself fully and completely for us and for our salvation give thanks to the lord for he is good his steadfast love endures forever. To him who loved the world that he gave his only son. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made to be sin. Him who had no sin. Why? Because his steadfast love endures forever. To him who raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ our Lord. For his steadfast love endures forever. To him who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. For his steadfast love endures forever. You see, you have that refrain in your heart. Psalm 136, we read through it once. Every single one of us in this room knows God's steadfast love endures forever. All I did was take verses from the New Testament and add that. As you're reading God's holy word, you can take any verse that tells us about who God is. And say, for his steadfast love endures forever. Say, God is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His acts of creation and redemption, his steadfast love endures forever. And I guarantee you, the more you do that, the more of a thankful person that you will become. For the Lord's steadfast love endures forever. It did not end at creation. It did not end when God brought Israel out of Egypt. God's steadfast love did not end even at the cross. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever, which means that his love is still enduring to us today. Today, God is still willing to constrain himself and commit himself to you for your good and his glory. Church, let us then all together commit ourselves to giving thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 8 says this, 
The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord and his steadfast love will stand forever. Let's pray. Lord, how quickly we forget or struggle to believe that indeed your steadfast love does endure forever, yet you have sent us your Son, the fulfillment of all the promises in the Old Testament, as the final declaration that yes, your steadfast love does indeed endure forever, and he has come to save us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. I know that in this room we have a lot of things going on in our lives. The start of school, the busyness that surrounds all of that, relationship issues, conflicts within families, health issues. We feel the brokenness of this world. Yet this morning and throughout our lives, we pray, Lord, that you would lift up our eyes to the heavens to where our help comes from. We pray that as we read the scriptures and as we engage with those around us, as we're at school or work or wherever you may have us be, I pray that you would continually remind us that we meditate on the truth of your word, that your steadfast love, your chesed, your willingness to constrain yourself and commit yourself to us in love, I pray that we would be reminded of that always. And in doing so, that we would, we would be known as a thankful and joyful people. To the praise of your glorious grace, we thank you for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his, in his name we pray. Amen.